Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. So last week's episode was all about a romance book and Valentine's Day. So today it's all about Galentine's. We're going to be discussing some books that have wonderful female friendships, including a brand new novel just published this year, a novel newly out in paperback, and one brand new non-fiction book hitting the shelves next month. Happy Galentine's Day, Lauren. Happy Galentine's Day, pal. You still need to watch Parks and Recreation which is where Galentine's Day was invented, or I think it is anyway. Um, I think I say this to you each year as well, but it's so good. <laughs> have you have you ventured into it? I've watched a couple of episodes. Um, I just don't think it's my sense of humour, I'll be honest with you. But it's funny. So if that's yeah. not your sense of humour, then you can't be funny. <laughs> I think you have to, you, the joy of it is that, like, over however many seasons there are, these are yeah. your friends. And they like yeah. all the characters change so much in that time, like they do in every series. Like they all like grow as people. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. I actually have to rewatch it. Well, it is a perfect excuse to be chatting about books. Yes. Oops. With female friendships for Galentine's Day today, so let's celebrate some of them. Woo-hoo. Um. <laughs> sorry, poorly time sip there. We have quite an interesting mix. I was thinking this last night. So we've got. Two fictional books, but one of them has a very joyous and lovely, wonderful friendship. And the other one has quite a hostile friendship. And Mm -hmm. then we also have a non-fiction book that solely explores friendships. I think we've nailed the brief. I think we have. I don't think it could have been possibly any better. Yeah. I don't know where to begin, though. Like, what's the vibe? How are we starting? I think we start on a positive note. I say positive. The book's not entirely positive, but positive friendship, friendship vibes. Yeah. Uh, with We All Want Impossible Things by Catherine Newman. Mm, so gorgeous. And this is one I read in the last few days of December because it's only 200 pages. And I was like, Same. great, I can read this to get 100, 100 books in. And then obviously, as we now know, that was not necessary. Yeah, I read this at the start of the year, actually. And it was a lovely way to start the year. Mm. And before we go any further, let me drop the synop. So, who knows you better than your best friend? Who knows your secrets, your fears, your desires, your strange, imperfect self? Edie and Ash have been best friends for over 40 years. Since childhood, they have seen each other through life's milestones. Stealing vodka from their parents, the Madonna phase, REM concerts, unexpected wakes, marriages, infertility, children. As Ash notes, Edie's memory is like a backup hard drive for mine. So when Edie is diagnosed with terminal cancer, Ash's world reshapes around the rhythms of Edie's care. From chipped ice and watermelon cubes to music therapy, from snack smuggling to impromptu excursions into the frozen winter night. Because life is about squeezing the joy out of every moment, about building a powerhouse of memories, about learning when to hold on and when to let go. Two things. One, I don't think I'd really read the blurb before. And that line about memory is something that Elizabeth Day talks about, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. That's exciting. Didn't realise there was that crossover. Um, but what I wanted to start off with was that this is sad and it's set in a hospice and it's yeah. so much around like illness and death. But actually, it's 
very joyous and positive and really funny. Like I definitely felt way happier and fulfilled than I than I felt sad reading this. What about you? I think I felt happy reading this because not to get too soppy, but it's it's a relationship that you and I have. So mm. I felt really lucky that I've got a relationship like that is mentioned in this book. So for that reason, I was like, oh yeah, it's such a nice, it's such a a, a grateful and lucky thing to have in your life. And mm. but if you maybe don't have <laughs> a best friend, then maybe you'd read this and be like, fuck. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Yeah. yeah or be like this isn't real this doesn't feel realistic like no yeah. people are like this yeah like that line around in the blurb around um that you mentioned like the backup hard drive that is a hundred percent how I think of you <laughs> my memory like, is weird because <laughs> your memory is so annoyingly and bizarrely accurate yeah. That I'm just like, yeah, Jess will remember. Like, who else, when I forget my pin code, who else can I just message and be like, <laughs> Jess, what's my pin? I enter it every single day on the regs and just, <laughs> you're the one who remembers it for me. Yeah, again, this is like, what useful things could I have in my brain instead of watching? Yeah, yeah. Oh. But it's helpful for me. It's really great. Okay, I'm glad you benefit from it because it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't need to know that on the 18th of January in 2004, this is what I was doing, you know. <laughs> anyway, this is obviously a lovely book about friendship. But what I also really loved about this book is that there are loads of weird and wonderful relationships in this. Yeah. We've got the lovely mother-daughter relationship. The mother-daughter relationship was one of my faves. Yeah. But there's also the relationship with Ash and her ex-husband. There's the relationship with Ash and Edie's brother, like there's so many some of them are like so not stereotypical in fact most of them aren't stereotypical as well and And that's what's great glorious yeah I think it's great because none of the relationships are stereotypical or cliche they're all quite unusual and quirky and Ash is clearly trying to process the trauma of losing her best friend very slowly to Mm. this horrible illness and she's also you know has gone through a divorce or a separation I don't think they're divorced and um one of the ways that she's like trying to cope you can see through the book is by sleeping with quite a lot of people loads (laughs) men and women and there's a point where her daughter like walks in on her in bed with somebody and it's like she can't remember what line she says, but it's like basically judging her mum and her mum responds like, don't slut shame me, which <laughs> I just found really funny because when you get to know her daughter a bit more and their relationship, her daughter is like very much of the woke woke yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, and I love how that then plays into each other. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. Do you know what I also that there is a lot of characters in this book that whose name begin with a J. And considering that my I name... I thought this too. Also, my name begins with a J. Yes, I think you had forgotten. I was, like, I was like, wait, hang on, Jonah? No, wait, like, honestly? Honestly, I had that exact everybody. same thought. And it made me, like, I, I think this quite often when I read books where this happens. Like, of all the names, 
just make it easy for yourself like they're not real people you've got the luxury of being able to make up names why have you chosen so many similar names (laughs) you're only hurting yourself and your future readers it was really confusing and also because she sleeps with so many people yeah it's like which one's this hang on is this the brother or is this the uh the friend or yeah the the ex-husband it's great. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. the ex-husband, he's called Honey, right? Is that what his yeah. name is? Yeah, Love but that. it's a nickname, isn't it? Yeah. But like, even then, like, she's thought about those names. So then yeah. why is Honey Joseph? Yeah. Love it. And we did get through it. Yeah, just figured it all out. <laughs> um, I loved mm-hmm. how quotable this, there's so, yeah, many there's so many funny one-liners or just like, really weird and wonderfully described things and so I just wanted us to take some time to talk about yeah let's do that so I actually I haven't got my book with me I've got my reading journal with me my book record reading journal because I wrote down two quotes that just like made me think a bit like one of them I just really love this analogy and like it just makes so much sense so what she's actually doing in the book is like um Edie in bed has got a bit like twisted up with all her feeding tubes and things like that and she needs a bit of a rearrange mm-hmm. and ash describes it as you know when you put on a sweater in the car and then when you go to get out when where you sorry then when you get to where you're going you can't figure out how to get out of your seatbelt and i was like <laughs> god i so know what that feels like <laughs> it just it was a really good analogy of what, like what that situation must be yeah like, such a little, yeah yeah I loved it. I knew exactly what she meant as well. Because <laughs> um, she really like puts you in your body throughout the yeah. whole book as well. Because a lot of it is, yeah, a lot of her analogies are feelings. And I guess processing her emotion through her feelings. Um, yeah. One of the quotes that I really liked was, um, is it better to have loved and lost? Ask anyone in pain and they'll tell you no. And yet here we are hurling ourselves headlong into love like lemmings off a cliff into a churning sea of grief. We risk every last thing for our heart's expansion, even when that expanded heart threatens to suffocate us and then burst. Which I just thought was very, it's so true. Yeah. The more you love, the more you've got to lose. Um, But this book, it really is a love letter to her friend, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, really lovely. And You've shamed me because my next quote isn't sentiments. Go on. <laughs> that was a really nice one. <laughs> and this one just made me laugh. Um, it's I was already feeling sorry for myself, but then that call came from the hospital, and now I feel like I should have saved a little more self-pity for later. <laughs> <laughs> and like this is a point in the book where like she is feeling really low about her friend, and then her daughter calls her from hospital. And even that was really funny because like the doctor calls and is like um, something's happened to your daughter in the background her daughter's like oh give me the phone you're gonna give her a heart attack <laughs> like, it's not that deep um, the roles really do reverse between her and her daughter massively. don't they yeah um like I remember one scene where she's like smoking outside of the hospice and her daughter she sees her daughter walking up and she like panics that her daughter's going to catch her smoking so like stubs out the cigarette and like tries to really quickly hide all the evidence as though she is the teenager so true um and I also really liked how Ash she's she's not a very sentimental character 
Mm. which might sound surprising because this book is very sentimental but she's very um I can't I don't know how you'd describe her but like she's very um I guess like quite ironic yeah and humorous like everything is done with humor and she like she knows what she like she should like she wants to be better and she wants to be more mindful or whatever um but she's also quite cynical um but I really love it like just knowing how cynical she is when like something bad happens she does this thing where she imagines that person's face covered in hearts and glittering with stardust which I just found really funny because it's so anti her character yeah um, and so childish which is why I think I loved it well I wonder if like her acting like the teenager and her daughter being the mom and her acting childish in these ways is because so much of her friendship with Edie like it's they've Mm. been friends their whole life and now it's like coming to an end she's just like it's put her in this childlike state of maybe yeah. when they were friends, but they didn't have these grown-up worries. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And equally, like, there are so many parallels between these books that explore friendships with then Elizabeth Day's book, which we're going to talk mm. about, and how, like, Ash, you know, when Edie's friends from different walks of life come to visit her in hospital or sending her letters or FaceTiming her, how she gets really jealous. <laughs> And we'll like, like in like, you'll hear her internal monologue, like comment on like that person's scarf or, you know, be jealous that Edie's got a picture next to her bed of like another friend and how jealous she gets, which is something which comes up in um, Elizabeth days as well. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was great. And I didn't make a note of this, but like it's the line of sentimental and sadness and funny it's just like you can jump from one line to the next yeah I didn't write this quote down because it's like a whole page basically but Edie's writing a letter for her son and well Ash is writing it for Edie from Edie's request of like things that she wants like yeah like it says like I want you to be happy like all those wonderful (laughs) things but then like Edie's like I'd like him to play tennis I think that's like a really great sport to get behind and she's also like like quite high on morphine at this point as well so Ash is trying to figure out what's realistic what's real Ash is like analyzing it like yeah that's a great line to include and then the tennis one she's like I don't know that I'm gonna put the tennis one in like I don't know (laughs) and then she to us not her friends so like we're getting her like almost annotations yeah and then Ash has this vision of dash her son being like 19 on a tennis court and like being really shit at tennis but being like this was my mother's dying wish to be good at tennis even though the context was she was high in morphine and wasn't really aware of what she was saying oh it's just really good and like only 200 pages what the fuck I'm so glad we would have read more I wonder if this is going to be I think it's like women's prize worthy and like lots of awards yeah, same, worthy. Same. So I'd love to see it be nominated for some awards this year. Yeah, agreed. I think yeah. it's got Pandora Sykes all over it. If she's still one of the judges. And I think they change them every year. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know if we know the next judges. Okay. Okay. On to a slightly darker kind of friendship. Mm. So this one is just as long lasting. It's been their entire lives, but. There's some, you know, some stuff under the surface that just isn't really talked about, but we as the reader get to see. So this mm-hmm. book is Best of Friends by Camila Shamsi. Um, and I'll drop the blurb for you. 14-year-old Mariam and Zara have always been the best of friends, despite their different backgrounds. 
Mariam takes for granted that she will stay in Karachi and inherit the family business, while Zara keeps her desires secret and dreams of escaping abroad. This year, 1988, anything seems possible for the girls and for Pakistan, emerging from the darkness of dictatorship into a bright future under another young woman. But a snap decision at a party celebrating the return of democracy brings the girls' childhoods abruptly to an end. Its consequences will, sh- will shape their futures in ways they cannot imagine. Three decades later, in London, Zara and Mariam are still best friends despite living very different lives. But when unwelcome ghosts from their shared past re-enter their world, both women find themselves driven to act in ways that will stretch and twist their bond beyond all recognition. Best of Friends is a novel about Britain today, about power and how we use it, and about what we owe to those who we've loved the longest. Mm. Wow. So this book encompasses a lot so for the purpose of this episode it being a galentine's episode Mm. we're just gonna stick to the friendship element because we could be here all day otherwise yeah i just don't think we can get into the cruxes of pakistan politics politics yeah in a galentine's episode you know yeah (laughs) we are here for the female friendships today on galentine's day um interestingly we said this to each other so as you you will know because you you listening right now will maybe listen to other podcasts before we are addicted to the dual narrative we love nothing more <laughs> but we both really struggled with this one we kept we couldn't keep up with whose, it was his. whose narrative it was and remembering which character was which person yeah what, like which knew... background belonged to who exactly yeah. exactly I feel like there could have been a bit more like scene setting at the beginning so you or like differences in writing style Mm. so you really knew which character was being referred to because yes you knew their name but we both struggled to remember who that what that character was was whether they were the goody two-shoes at school or the bit of the rebel yeah and I think for two reasons one because most of the time the dual narrative it's like one character gets their own chapter and then we go to yeah. the next character whereas this is like from line to line there's yeah maybe yeah good point to someone else but also because they the three decades later in London they're both very successful women and yeah. I think you can't you should really expect that maybe one of them is lesser off than the other or something yeah Do you know what I mean? like based maybe based on their backgrounds or their desires yeah. but actually they're both well-known great in their fields whatever yeah and I, Maybe that's confusing, but like, yeah, because there's not much separation between them. Yeah, which shouldn't be the case. We should want all women to become powerful. But yeah. I don't know. I think maybe somewhere in my brain, I was like, no, but wait, which is the one? Oh, wait, neither of them. They're both doing well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just harder to, um, yeah, keep track of who was doing what. But I guess this friendship is one of those where they are great friends in childhood but perhaps friends who should have outgrown each other yeah especially given that like or maybe that's because now they're in a new place that could have been the time for them to split like they're no longer in Pakistan but actually maybe it's because they are now both in London that they're like too weird to not be friends but they are there's we won't say what happens because it isn't revealed like straight away, but something happens. They're still friends after it, but there's animosity definitely from one to the other about how the situation was then dealt with, that she's clearly clung on to all this time, but has never said anything and they've remained friends. So I think when, when 
the other one maybe makes a certain decision or something happens to them they can't ever be truly happy because they they might have forgiven but they haven't forgotten yes about yeah. that situation exactly. which is probably and probably as women who aren't very confrontational and have a lot of feelings as in like I'm generalizing women here <laughs> that's probably like quite the norm in a lot of people's lives yeah and I think they sort of attach themselves too much that we have to be friends because we we've been friends for so long yeah. that we can't not be friends and there's this quote which I really liked where um I don't know who says it but um <laughs> <laughs> their laughter moves moving beyond the immediate hole into a deep laugh of joy for friendship for each other for the certainty that whatever happened in the world you would always have this one person this north star this rock this alter ego who knew every floor down to your atoms and who still despite everything that the world has yet to disappoint you with every heartache every disappointment every moment of darkness always this friendship always it's light and it's like they're holding on to what their friendship could be mm. rather than what their friendship actually is because like you say the older they get the more that they become quite cynical of one another and quite judgmental of each other and have a lot of like toxic energy towards each other that and don't tell each other things like you would yeah your best friend they hold a lot back from each other and they keep a lot of secrets from each other and arguably are you even friends then yeah but they don't have, well, one of them is in a relationship and has a child. So I guess maybe they do have that other person. But the other one of them. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll see right now that I can't retain which one it was. <laughs> Why did Mary you or Zara, I have we no idea. We need separate chapters. We're not this clever. <laughs> um, it doesn't seem like she has someone else that she would go to with those secrets. Yeah, good point. She just but, bottles them in and then... Yeah um act out a little bit and like when they were young you had like the good the goody two-shoes and the rebel mm. but then the goody two-shoes does something quite rebellious yeah and when she's older she's in a really goody two-shoes style job but then outside of work she can be a little bit rebellious but, so yeah. they kind of just blurred they <laughs> were you didn't have like the if you're a goody two shoes, remain a good day in your lane. <laughs> um, but I guess that's why it's so shocking that what happened and why the other one's like, hang on, you thought that your future was going to be so much brighter than mine, goody two shoes, that you were happy to do this that that could have impacted me or whatever. And I guess the not staying in the lane also through the characters. Mm. And actually, I just want to share one more quote Please. around Um, because I just thought it was interesting, around like childhood friendships. And it says, childhood friendship really was the most mysterious of all relationships, Mariam thought, as she signalled Zola to clear up the plates. It was built around rules that didn't extend to any other pairing in life. You weren't tied by blood or profession or enmeshed domesticity, or even, as was the case with friendships made an adult, much by way of common interests, which I thought was so true. Like when you're a kid, you've got nothing to go on when making friends. Like there aren't many things to, you don't really have, especially when you're very young. Yeah. So um, I just thought that was interesting. 
And some people will hang on to those childhood friends because they're like, oh, yeah, but I've known them since this long and I really yeah. know their family. But Which is actually, what I think these two do. Yeah. No Because interests. they've got very different morals and ethics. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, every friend you have should share the same morals as you, but most likely they're going to, aren't they? But also they aren't tied to each other in any other way. So like that quote just said about like, you know, they're not tied together through work. Yeah, exactly. Like they could part ways and probably never see each other again. Yeah, and and be just fine. Yeah. This is actually a great book to then lead us into Elizabeth Chase on because there's yeah. so much I want to say about this book that actually it's because I've just been reading the nonfiction one that I want to apply like, these theories Same. and things to it. So shall we move along to it? Let's do it. So finally, we've got a new book which comes out on the 30th of March and it's Elizabeth Day's new book and she's best known for her podcast and uh book called how to fail and her latest is called friendaholic and it tells the story of one woman's journey to understand why she's addicted to friendship growing up elizabeth wanted to make everyone like her lacking friends at school she grew up to believe that quantity equaled quality having lots of friends meant you were loved popular and safe she was determined to become a good friend and in many ways she did but in adulthood she slowly realized that it was often to the detriment of her own boundaries and mental health in friendaholic elizabeth unpacks the significance and evolution of friendship from exploring her own personal friendships and the distinct importance of each of them in her life to the unique and powerful insights of the others across the world Elizabeth asks why there isn't a language that can express its crucial influence on our world. From ghosting to frenemies, to social media and communication styles, to the impact of seismic life events, Elizabeth leaves no stone untouched. Friendaholic is the book you buy for the people you love, but it's also the book you read to become a better friend to yourself. Interesting, that last bit. Yeah. Because I actually think on the whole, there are some nice bits, but on the whole, it I think there's more negativity around friendship and commitment yeah. to friends. I wouldn't want to buy this for a gift for my friend because I think they'd receive it and be like, oh, she doesn't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah, I think she 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 doesn't hold back, does she? No. And she outs quite a lot of friends who she's had to cut from her life. Yeah. And I and couldn't like, help but read. The name? Exactly. Because in one instance, she says, I've changed this friend's yes. name to India. But for no other instance does she mm-hmm. say that. So I'm like, so is this person going to read the book and be like, oh, and so also, this is why I'm not your friend anymore. Yeah. And I think it's different for her as well, because that friend that she changes the name to India, that friend sounds a bit obsessed with following her on Instagram. And like, she, the reason and she wants yeah. to cut this friend is because she keeps being like, oh, you look very busy on Instagram. Maybe you'll make some time for me. And it's the kind of friend that I think if she then read this book, yeah, she obviously will. Because she's going to be a backlash. 100%. I think there's going to be a backlash from everyone. Apart from the ones book. that have been willingly interviewed and that she's like, yeah, yeah, like Joan and, with. and Emma. Yeah. And, but um but yeah actually let's talk about that and explain it a bit more so each chapter looks at like a different thing so like there's a chapter on friendship in social media there's one about um ghosting and how Mm -hmm. friends can ghost each other and things um but also some of them are done as an interview with one of her close friends 
And also interspersed in that is like little tidbits from randoms on their views on friendship. I say randoms in that like they're not in Elizabeth's inner circle, but there's it's so that she can give a bit more scope and it's not just her own perspective. So there's yeah. one letter about friendship from like a 10 year old boy. There's one from, I can't even remember. There's one like an 80 year old man. There's someone from, some, there's the one from someone that's neurodivergent. Yeah. So just so she could get a few more voices in there. And so it's yeah. not just solely her own thoughts, but it's very wordy her book, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, it And I liked it. I found myself really wrapped up in the narrative because it did feel like a conversation and I actually preferred the chapters where she was interviewing her friends mm-hmm. because I liked hearing it more like a dialogue. Yeah, same. Yeah. I also really like Joan. I think she's great. I want a Joan. Yeah. I did find this book made me feel quite anxious at times because I am such an anxious person and so much of that is wrapped up in thinking about memories from like 10 years ago and oh my god was I good enough friend in this situation or did I say or do the wrong thing to then read a whole book that's fucking analyzing that is a lot Mm. I was like I actually have to put this down because now I'm in my own head too much I need to go and like dance around the room and shake it off (laughs) it had the opposite effect on me in that it made me realize that oh yeah actually it's okay that you're not going to be friends with everyone you were ever friends with yeah because your life changes yeah that's what I mean like like I put I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like oh god I'm not being a good enough friend I'm that person whatsapped me like a week ago and I haven't replied and we all know my new year's resolution is Mm, to be better at whatsapp like replying to text messages and I'm just not like when I'm busy the like the first thing to go is my like replying to texts with in in like decent time frames um but it also just made me realize like that's just who I am and that's okay and like it or lump it if you if if it doesn't work for you feel free to to cut me because I can't apart from you you can't noted yeah (laughs) I think this didn't like so much of it is about like as you grow older your friendships should actually be they should serve you and they should do this and And I agree with all of those things having cut my own friend Um, and actually I realized reading this that I did it in the ghosting way which for me was just like the safest way of doing it because I couldn't be bothered with the confrontation confrontation so I was just like I'm just gonna phase them out because actually I've realized that this friend puts me down makes me feel stressed and that's just like not, and it was such a freeing thing. And I was like, oh my God, I, should, I, should, I don't actually have to be a friend. Like, yeah. I don't actually have to see her if I don't want to, because we're not in like the same circles where I would then keep bumping into her or whatever. I was like, I actually don't have to see her again. And so it just like sort of stopped replying. I'd reply to maybe, if it was a question, I'd maybe reply. But if it was just, if I was just sent a meme, I probably wouldn't reply. And it worked. We just, I just phased mm. that out and I felt better for it and like very free. And then was like excited to tell like another friend who knew her I was like oh I did this and they were like you needed to do that yeah so I think it's a really good thing and you absolutely don't have to stay friends with anyone and actually the pandemic is a really great marker and it has been for me at least of like okay have I seen you during or since the pandemic no okay then I I I can still if I see you say hi and we can have a chat but I'm probably not going to go out of my way to make plans with you anymore because I don't even have the time for the people that I have seen since Agreed. Um, and also I liked, uh, yeah, I found it quite educational in parts around 
like being able to recognize if somebody is a good friend to you by Mm. like asking yourself or just checking in with yourself around how you feel after you leave having seen that person and it made me think like there are a couple of people that I see and after seeing them I always feel just a like quite exhausted yeah and quite not down in the dumps but like I don't feel energized and probably it's because they're friends who just talk at you for a really long time and don't really show interest in your life or my life and it made me realize like oh like that's not actually a friendship then is it because it's just yeah like you shouldn't you shouldn't feel that way afterwards so yeah it was quite educational but like you said Jess it was quite negative in yeah. parts, but in a in a way that's like, okay, guys, let's just reset what friendship is and that you don't need to have a long list of loads and loads of friends. Let's just whittle down like what friendship means to you and make sure that your friendships are serving both parties. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, And I think that it's good. We needed a book like this, but it's definitely mm. not a love letter to friendship. I no and I would also say um, I think it's a self-help trigger book. yeah it's a massive trigger warning as well to anyone who has gone through miscarriages or struggled with pregnancies um because although there's a specific chapter on her um her own IVF journeys and miscarriages is also peppered in throughout the whole book so there is no real escaping it so if that's a topic that is quite sensitive to you then I would say probably leave don't dive yeah. in but if this isn't your first elizabeth j book you'll know that anyway um what i have to talk to you about mm-hmm. is kobe bryant because oh my god absolutely she has a friend in this book who all of a sudden has a brain hemorrhage and then like you know she sort of loses her speech for a while and like parts of her brain and so she like She's very there for this friend, which isn't like given how much of a friendaholic Elizabeth Jay is, that she was able to make time for this friend. It shows, okay, this is definitely yeah. one of your lasting friendships. And that's what the yeah, friend and she lived who, in the US as well. Yeah. So she went out to the States to go and see yeah. this friend. And the friend that suffers from the brain hemorrhage then actually is like, do you know what? This taught me that so many of my friends aren't my friends, but you clearly are one of them. So yeah. Sad that that had to happen for her to realize that. But anyway. She uh, she interviews this friend about what happened to her when she was in a coma and she went into a coma in January 2020. And while she was in a coma is when Kobe Bryant, his daughter and, and seven other people had the helicopter crash and died. And she saw Kobe Bryant. So now I totally believe in like life beyond life death. after death. Yeah, me yeah. too. And like the, the tunnel and everything. Right? Yeah. So while she was in a coma, she didn't know that this helicopter crash had happened because obviously she's in a coma, but she met him and like she was like, right, I'm choosing life. Because he she's in said a coma. to her, you've got yeah. two options. You can come towards the light or you can go back. And she chose life and she went chose back. Life. And Kobe How... Bryant would have di- would have died by that point as well. Crazy. And like absolute madness. You wouldn't make that up. Like it's no. <laughs> firstly, she was in a coma and she didn't know, but also like so fucking weird to just make up yeah so I really believe that yeah I loved um I loved that chapter actually yeah I think yeah because this woman was such a powerhouse and was so successful and it yeah it 
showed like what happens when you lose all of the external factors of your life what's left and and how you deal with what's left which um I thought was really poignant yeah do you know I was very happy to see in this book and is one of the best friendships of all time was um Anne of Green Gables Anne's relationship with Diana I was so happy (laughs) and as soon as I saw Anne of Green, Green Gables um, I was like, oh my God, Jess is going to wet herself over this chapter. And I also, well, I'd been talking about Anne of Green Gables earlier in the day because my oh little my sister, who is 10, is currently reading the series. She's like Aww. way past the first book. She is such a little bookworm. I dropped her to swimming. And so at like 6 p.m., it's dark outside. She brings Anne of Green Gables in the car to read for a 20 minute car journey because like she can't be without a book at all times. And she's just such my a kind of gal. Kid, I know. And I so love that she's loving Anne of Green Gables so good but yeah like it is Anne's obsession with wanting to find her kindred spirit and then like finding Diana and just adoring her it's like of course that like has to be in any book that explores friendship and I'm so happy it was she actually she quoted this line as one of them um when she says Matthew gives Anne a box of chocolates and she asks straight away if she can give Diana half of them the next time they see each other because the other half will taste twice as twice as sweet to me if I give some to her it's delightful to think I have something to give her she's just so cute oh that's very I was very happy to see that in there um so yeah it's quite hefty it's 400 pages and it is is. very wordy it references a lot of like studies and things but I found it to be very very interesting me too and one of the facts that I found really interesting that she it. I mean they were all quite interesting um, but after a while I did feel it was a bit overkill um one of the studies I found really interesting um was she referenced how at the age of four is when our ability to create memories forms with any kind of like consistent narrative to our lives um which is also why at the age of four we can tend to like make lots of good friendships and because we can remember things a bit more succinctly and that's the age that she met her best friend Emma no no she didn't meet Emma at that age but she remembers one of her best friends Mm. when she met them at four and we met each other at four uh, yeah exactly and I um it made me think about that and how your memory is so great because you remember how we met and me not so much yeah another piece of useless information (laughs) but it's cute information um I also didn't realize I've not really read many of uh, Elizabeth Day's books but I didn't realize she moved to uh, Northern Ireland when she was about five or six yeah and grew up there in boarding school and that's obviously had a knock-on effect on how she yeah, would she be a friendaholic if that hadn't happened to her and she didn't yeah. feel like that outsider with her imaginary yeah. friends? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very good. It's a reco. It's a reco for me. Is it a reco mm-hmm. for you? Yeah, me too. I would suggest maybe having it on the go with another book. Maybe and, best of friends. Yeah, and and being able to go back and forth like one chapter at a time. Yeah. If you If you were that. reading this alongside best of friends... Yeah, you, you just can have, psychoanalyze their whole yeah, relationship. You would It'd actually be great. become therapists 
<laughs> yeah and, and like you become their therapist to be like okay this is what you should actually be saying to Mariam at this point yeah okay. yeah <laughs> I think that would be very fun okay that's that's a wrap on Galentine's Day I would say Three yeah great books there um all a joy to read all gave us very different experiences thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode then like subscribe leave a rating and review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means the world to us and don't forget to share our podcast with your reading buddy because they might enjoy it too and if you don't already then subscribe to our monthly newsletter at www.bookrecords.com for a monthly roundup of our records see you next week we'll be here